Podcasting straight from North Carolina is Dr. Jennifer Eichner-Lowry sharing her author journey with you. Jen Lowry writes is a place where amazing things happen for authors and readers together. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate podcast host. Jen is just the bird singing the song. She is a published author, educator, homeschool mama, life coach, and dreamer. Join her on the daily journey of discovering what this writing life is all about. Let's see what she will be led by the Holy Spirit to talk about today. Here's Jen. Welcome to the Jen Lowry Writes Podcast. My name is Dr. Jennifer Lowry, and today I am so honored to introduce Greg Turnquist. All right, when Greg isn't slinging code at Pivotal Software, he's probably working on the sequel to Dark Light, which means probably means hopefully means I need it <laughs> like yesterday. <laughs> so, um, it's a speculative fiction series about a street thief in a medieval future. Or he might be working on his next secret project, which is a great way to hook us in from the very beginning of this conversation. So welcome, Greg. Well, thanks for inviting me on here. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Uh, um, I'm excited. I'm always excited to talk about my books, but I might even be willing to share with your audience what that secret project is that I've got in the pipes. Yay, yay. I want to know. Um, so first, tell us a little bit more about you, because you have an extensive background and it's quite interesting. Well, by day, I'm a, a, soft, a professional software developer, and I've been doing that for about 22 years. Um, uh, I, got, I got married about uh, 11 years ago. Um, but uh, at night, like it, said, like it says in my bio, in my massaged bio there, is that um, I uh, write fiction. I write sci-fi fantasy books and um, I've also published four technical books and a technical video so I'm, I'm, I'm big on techno geek stuff I'm, and I'm big on fiction and where it meets in the middle is all the Marvel movies that are coming out and stuff so my wife and I are trying to catch up on all of them so we can go see the latest Avengers movie this weekend <laughs> oh yeah we're going to ours is on Saturday so if any of the listeners out there don't you dare email me at all with any kind of spoiler alerts y'all email me all the time but don't do the spoiler alerts we're going on Saturday <laughs> That's right. We're going on Sunday. We could only find a uh, our babysitter available on Sunday because she was booked solid for Saturday. So we got, I got, I'm a dad of three kids, all nine and under. So uh, if you're hearing, hearing barking and, and screaming and stuff in the background, you'll know what that is. So. Hey, that is perfectly fine with us because uh, my kids are probably more than likely going to be walking through here at the same time because that we have, uh, we have four at home. So you never know, like, you know, what's about to happen <laughs> in the household. Um, so I've got to tell you, Dark Light, okay, started reading it, I'm like, okay, I love Snitch, I got to tell you, like, so tell me where you get these character names, because Snitch, I love. Well, you know, Dark Light started as something, it was a story that I wrote, like, back in high school, I started to write it, and this is back in the antique days of word processing, and so I, I'd written about 40 pages, and I knew nothing about writing, I mean nothing, and so... I had this idea, you know, I'd read books like Dune by Frank Herbert. Um, uh, other, I'd read other sci-fi novels people probably never heard of. I'm a big Isaac Asimov fan. And I'd had this idea about these, these people that like had to hide out in, in these secret tunnels underground where it's pitch black. And what if they could adapt to that environment and overcome it? And so I just sort of started banging away and, um, I was like, what if that's not the only thing that's involved? What if there's, what if there's other stuff? Like, what if there happens to be magic that everyone's forgotten about? And then you created The Mentalist. Yeah, I had actually, uh, I'd hired a, a type of editor, what, two or three years ago. And I showed her my manuscript and I had used, I had used the words like wizard and stuff. And she says, that doesn't sound, that doesn't sound right to me. Because I hear wizard, I think Harry Potter. When I first wrote the story, 30 some odd years ago, you know, that was way before any Harry Potter existed. He was like, right. you, you need to come up with something for this more, this more future punk type stuff. And so I, I started hitting the thesaurus and I came up with the idea of a, a mentalist because there's, there's types, there's different types of sorcery and magic in the, in, in the fiction world. And I came up with somebody that, you know, essentially to use your mental capabilities to, to focus and, and control 
extra dimensional energy. So that's, that's kind of what I came up with. Which fits perfectly, especially when you're thinking of like, you know, the futuristic feel that you've got going on, but you call it medieval future. Yeah, there's a, there's a, a, a backstory in that I have that I kind of come up with that I did, you know, when I grew up and I, I went back and revisited the story to write it, write it all over again. Um, you know, I had the original core idea of people running around in the tunnels, but um, you know, I, I had this idea that, that it was set somewhere in the future and, but all of existence had been somehow blasted like back into the medieval era. So people have swords and lanterns and it's like, it's like Tolkien meets, um, you know, space opera or something. <laughs> Which I think that's why I navigated towards it because I, I just love the feel of it. I love the style. And there's something else I love too. And it was your personal blast because I signed up for your newsletter. And when I received it, I got this, the little paragraph about your backstory about having this book, having this idea generation from long ago. Audrey, Audrey, what's the matter? Okay, go up to your room and close your door and he will leave you alone in your room, okay? I'm busy. Okay. No, go play your 3DS. No, Aiden, Aiden, leave Audrey alone. Go play your 3DS. Take, take that out of your mouth. Go do something else. Leave Audrey alone. I'm busy, okay? I'm busy. I'm on the phone, okay? You can go to your room if you need to. No, no, that later, okay? <laughs> I'm a teacher too, so I'm a teacher by day. You're a, a software engineer by day. I'm the teacher by day, so. There you go. <laughs> I get it. Oh, I lost track where we were, okay. Um, well, you're talking about when your newsletter came out and you give the backstory right away to all of the fans that sign up for your newsletter that might not know that about you. And it took you such a long time to pull back this fiction book and say, I'm gonna do this. What was that pivotal moment for you that made you decide it's time to do Dark Light? Um, when I got married, um, I went, uh, my wife and I went down to a tech conference in South Florida. I was like, you know, we're married. We didn't have any kids. I said, let's both drive down there. I got to go down there and speak at a software conference. And she's just, you know, I'll just, I'll bring my laptop and work on my novel. And I said, work on your what? And uh, I discovered that she'd been writing a novel for several years. Just no, hadn't told anybody. Like I, maybe I was the only person she'd told so far. And I thought, that's cool. So I started reading her stuff. And that actually inspired me to be like, you know, I went and wrote this story back in high school. I'm, maybe I need to go dig it up. And so I started digging, trying to find that printout, but I couldn't find it. So I did, but I said to go back to scratch from the stuff that I remembered about that. Yeah, you're good. Aiden, I'm on the phone, okay? You can go get an applesauce, okay? You can have an applesauce. And one of the things I always like to talk about is that balance. Like, how are you balancing everything? Because your website, okay, I know you're, you're my tech guy here that we're talking to as an expert, but your website's on point. You're so current in everything. You can tell that you're keeping up with the author life and the family life and the job, the balance. I can go ahead and ask you that now. How are you managing that? What kind of tips do you have for all of the authors out there going, help me, help me organize my life? <laughs> I, I use this thing and I would, actually if I hire, you can see it's got my cover on it. But um, <laughs> I put little calendar things that say like at five o'clock, stop working, you know, little pop-up reminders. Ah. So that's one of that's one of my things. I I need I need reminders about okay, stop this, go do that. Go. So I work good with well-defined tasks when I have that. So that's that's one thing I do. Um, something else, and this is to to your audience may be interested in this. I've picked up tips, and this is part of like 
the secret of being an author is you need to learn stuff and then share. Hi, we may have heard a tip you haven't heard yet. And so I like to share it with other people. And I found out when you set up a newsletter that you can set up a series of automated emails. So I send out, you know, Hey, this is who I am in one email. Somehow it's freezing. I see you freezing over there. Oh no. And we have paused. And I am not the tech person. So, oh, Greg, let's see. Hopefully he's gonna come back right on now and because it's still recorded on my end. Wonder if this, let's see, I'm going to my phone and I'm gonna text and say, we are frozen. Ah, so it's closed off. And I'm gonna say, was that my end? Okay, so I'm going to invite him back. Amy's back in and I lost it. And we're down here. And there's Craig. And I'm admitting. All right. I am admitting Craig back in there. Was, was that my side? Okay. I'm, I'm texting you guys. Uh, it could have been my side. Okay. So I'll just like. Edit, edit, Ian, say part two, welcome back. <laughs> I was bragging about not having a Zoom issue because I was having a lot of issues with Anchor doing them. And mm. this happened, hey, but we go with it. So we were talking about sharing out and you're doing the automated emails. That's where we left off. Yeah, it's, and if there's actually um, somebody that's really good that I've signed up for their email list. His name is Brian Cohen. Um, maybe some of you have heard of him. Uh, he runs a business. He's well. He's an author. He runs a business called Best Page Forward at bestpageforward.net that he writes book descriptions for Amazon, like your book blurb that you need. And um, he also sells other services. But one of the things that he had tipped me off to was, you know, here's here's the kind of emails you ought to send out if somebody joins your newsletter. You know, first immediately if you if you said, hey, join join my list and get a free novella or something. That's what you put in the first email message. The second email message puts something about, you know, who you are, which, what's, some, what's something that's more personal because you're trying to build a connection with your audience. And then <laughs> and we got a visitor. Hey, hey, how are you? What's your name? My name's Jennifer. My name's Jennifer. Hey, Jennifer. Okay. It's nice to meet you. I didn't hear you. You have little kids. Well, I have an 11 year old and then a 14 year old and then two 16 year olds and then a 24 year old. Nobody under 11. Well, nobody, nobody five. But it's nice to meet you. Well, it's nice to meet you and your daddy is famous. Did you know your daddy's uh, famous? Yeah. <laughs> okay, go eat your applesauce, bud. All right, famous dad. See, you've got a fan. You've got a big fan of the house, a big five-year-old fan. So, so you got the tips. He gave you some suggestions. He mm -hmm. you said, sent out that personal one too, which is the one I really navigated towards because it was about your backstory. So it works. Those those tips. Yeah. And then there's you know, and basically there's this 80-20 rule. It's like everything has an 80-20 rule. So 80% of the time you need to be sending content to your readers that's beneficial to them. It's 80% it's of the time, give it away. And then 20% of the time is when you do the selling. I'm taking yeah. notes from you, by the way. <laughs> I have my notes here. So one of the things that you did is you're giving away free ebook. And so when you sign up for your newsletter, you get a free ebook. It's a short story. It's still in the dark light world. And so that was really strategically planned for that short story to go out too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
I had actually uh, went to a, a writer's conference here in Clarksville and um, I'd done this other exercise. They, they, one of the, one of the classes they had an exercise and I'd written down this idea and I later turned that into another short story. So I actually have it where if you join the fiction list, you get two short stories for free that are prequels to the main novel. Yes. Which I am like, I don't want to read those yet. Cause you know, I signed up, but I don't want to read them because I wanted to finish dark light first. And I wanted to have that experience and then go back and then check and see what, you know, what you've added to the world. And I've tried to, I tried to write them carefully so that you could read them in either order and they will, you know, enhance it either way. So it's like, you can, it's, there's a lot of things you read the novel and then there's this, Oh, I want to go find out what, ha what, what, what led to this character or what, you know, sometimes it's what made this villain, you know, who he is or something like that. So, so that's something, if you're writing a novel, put that in the back of your mind to think about, can I write a short story or a novella or something to add to that, that, that may draw people in if I just give it away. And something else you did too, is you took snitches and I can't give it away. My husband tells me, watch your mouth. Don't give everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm not giving this away because you've got it on Amazon, but you can go on Amazon and you've got a snitch story there where it's about a pawn shop. Yes. And I'm like, Oh, I see that was brilliantly done too. Okay. That, that was brilliant. Not my idea. So it's a little nugget though that you have yeah. and it's, and it's a great conversation with mentalists involved. And so you're like, okay, I got to know more. I wish I knew more. And then when I'm on Amazon, just kind of researching for the show and, and reading up on you. And I say, the pawn shop. Now I got to go get that too, because I want to see that story. Um, so that's basically you get that, you get that short story about the pawn shop. When you join, either you join my newsletter or if you go to Amazon, you can find it there you can get it and the thing encourages you to join the newsletter. So either way it's to get you, get you to join my newsletter, become part of my tribe and then do that. And we pause for a second. You got it. Okay. In the past. But, hey, uh, it's all right. We're going to make it work. Okay. So tell us about clean reads. Okay. Well, um, this actually started, I discovered clean reads back when we were trying to find a, uh, a publisher for my wife's books. My wife, uh, Sarah Turnquist, and you can go to sarahturnquist.com. S-A-R-A. Go back and eat your... Um, she writes clean historical romance. Um, so we went... I, I started, you know, one, there, I had started trying to query your work. I was the one that said, you need to publish this stuff that you're writing. And she was like, no. Nah, no, get out of town. I said, no, you need to do that. And now she's, she's picked that up and run with it. And now she's published nine novels. Okay. Now we got to talk to Sarah one day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Aiden, Aiden, go eat your snack. Get That's good. Oh, okay. um, she's written nine books and then you helped with the clean reads connection. So you were helping her query. Yeah, that's right. I had, uh, I, I'd gone, I found a website called uh, Query Shark, and it's a, uh, a New York-based literary agent, and she actually, people send her queries, and she puts them on her blogs, on her blog site, and explains what's wrong with your query. And so her, her requirement is you have to go read all the rules, and then you have to go read all the past blog articles so that you don't just repeat the same stuff. And so she teaches you what catches people, what, what hooks an agent, what makes an agent stop reading immediately, that kind of stuff. And so I started writing query letters and I, I queried like 25, 30 agents. It kept. All right. And um, I had queried, I'd even sent the query to her and she, she turned it down because the first novel that we queried on was set in ancient Egypt. And she considered that a, a, an overworn locality, if you will. But um but in the process, I had found one particular publisher that was taking submissions directly called, at the time, Astria Press. And their criteria was that it was, you know, had to be clean. It didn't have to be Christian content. It needed to be clean content. Uh, it had started as a medium for the, that business owner to publish her own romance novels. But uh, she, had, she had discovered that in the, in, in the secular market, the, what, 
romance publishers wanted was a, a bit overt. But if you went to the Christian market, they were like way over on the other end of the spectrum, if you will. And she'd spotted with Amazon, there was a, a place in the middle. And so she formed a business around that. And uh, we sent in her, we sent in Sarah's title, you know, with a proposal, whatever, and they accepted it. So she's gone and published, I think, like four titles with clean reads. And she's gone and four or five titles with clean reads. And then the rest of them we've indie published uh, ourselves. And then you did dark light with, with clean reads. Uh, that's correct. I went and sent a, I sent, I started pitching my novel to some of the same agents and stuff and I, I got rejected. It's a, if you're going to be an author, be ready to be rejected by people, but clean reads said, we'll take it. They're no longer take, they're not open at this month for submissions. Like I went on and I was checking out their website. They've got a really good website with their titles up, but at this time they're closed for active submissions. But um, looking at publishers like that, that you can go straight to those publishing companies and bypassing the agents, that's something that's really, I think, blowing up now, where more publishing companies are allowing these open submissions. Yeah, that is, that's very much the case. Um, you know, there's a lot more tiers. There's, you know, there's what's called the big five that, you know, are based out of New York or Toronto, and it it can be really hard to get a contract with them, but then there's, you know, there's, there's mid-level publishers and, and now small time publishers or, and um, actually I went to the ACFW conference two years ago and they've, they've had to actually alter their criteria. Like you can say, like if you, if you can demonstrate, it used to be, you know, that you're published with a big five, you would get a special sticker on your badge and say published author. And they've had to revise their criteria because a lot of people have gotten published through smaller presses that they used to not count that. But the, the whole market has changed in five years alone. And I think it's going to continue to evolve. And so my next question to you is, so you've got your secret project, but are you going to indie publish that one? Because I just heard that you're helping with your wife and y'all are doing that online. Um, are you going to go to a publishing company? Or are you going to take complete control? Well, for the new, and here's the deal with them, a common thing when you get a publishing contract with, with, with any press is that um, they often put a uh, right, first writer refusal uh, clause into the contract that if you're going to write a, a sequel, a prequel, anything with the same characters or, or universe, they want first dibs on it. And if they turn it down, then you can go take it elsewhere, or do it yourself, but you have to go there first. Um, so if, if you're willing to go do it yourself, then you can, you know, you, to, to do something on your own, you have to go start a new franchise, if you will. And so I actually had an idea for another series and that one I would do, uh, we'll do it ourselves. Is that one going to be fantasy? Is it going to be, can you give us at least a genre if you don't want to kind of give us too much of that? Oh, I'll, I'll tell you the back, the, the, what it's about. Um, so there was a, uh, there was a famous mathematician and he lived about a hundred years ago from India and his name was Ramanujan. Uh, now to us, us non-math people, he's, we probably never heard of him, but in the math community, he's a legend. He's a man who died at the age of 32 after having published 4,000 formulas. And 75 years later, almost all of them have been proven correct. But uh, he, was a, um, he was a devout Hindu from India. And um, well, at one point, a, uh, an, an atheistic British professor actually got him to come to Cambridge to study with him and to publish papers in, in England. Um, but what if it turns out that the reason he came to England, that that was just his cover story, but instead he came to track down a serial killer? Ah, yes. So that's where steampunk meets murder mystery in the, in the mathematician murder mystery series. I absolutely love that. First, like I'm a horror fan and, and I have a serial killer type college setting thing going on right now, fighting out in my brain. Um, I love it. So the opening, the, the first work I was going to, the working title is the Remond murder hypothesis. Oh, and so you've got to throw in that, you got to throw that in there. Yeah, so there's a there's a famous theorem that's about 150 years old called the Remond hypothesis that today it's the most valuable theorem that you can prove because there's an institute that'll pay you a million dollars if you can prove it right or wrong. Wow. So I'm like, I wanted to kind of grab a piece of that and it was something that was around when Ramanujan was around. So it's sort of like an alternative 
history murder mystery thing. But like you said, you've actually learned like how to merge your worlds together. And that's what you would do probably you think with all of your books. So, you know, so this would be, this would be a different universe than like the dark light universe. Um, but I wanted to try something that was sort of more, more steampunk type. And this is somebody, you know, in my spare time, I go on YouTube and watch, uh, videos by professional mathematicians given to amateurs and stuff. And I kind of, and I, I, some of the stuff I'll go show to my uh, eight year old son and, and he'll be like, I didn't understand that, but that was cool. <laughs> hey, at least he appreciates the value of it. And when I have free time, I'm looking up serial killer documentaries on YouTube. So that's what I'm spending my time doing and researching. So, it's like bumper stickers that say, like, don't check my browser history because I'm an author or something. <laughs> exactly. The research, the research. So you read something called newsletter, newsletter Ninja. I saw that in your work. And so, so you're just, you're hearing from other people. You're reading on how to do this work. And you also talked about book funnels. Oh, yes. Bookfunnel.com. Major, worth every nickel. Okay. Um, so, so you found my copy of my uh, uh, novella about the pawn shop on yeah. Amazon. So that was a tip by, um, I think it's Nick Stevenson. He's a, he's a best-selling British author, indie published author, um, that gave me some of the other tips I'm, I'm sharing about newsletter stuff. And his tip was go get that novella, go put it up on Amazon, then go put it up on the other distributors where you can set it to free and go back to Amazon and demand that they price match it. That'll get Amazon to push it down to free. And that way the idea is people will download this free book. It'll have, a, it'll have the links to get them to join your newsletter. So I had done that, that was two or three years ago, and it was very sluggish at the rate that people would join my newsletter. And then I'd heard about bookfunnel.com. So bookfunnel, is an, is a, their services is if you need to send an arc of your book to somebody, if you want to send it to 50 people, if you want to send it to 100 people, two people, whatever, um, it handles the it handles sending your manuscript out to these people and getting it on their device. So you don't have to help them do that. Right. So they do that tactic, but what they came up with was this idea called promotions. So you can go take your book, stick it on Book Funnel, and then join somebody's fantasy promotion that runs through the month of May. And so the idea is all the authors that have joined it, like there's, so imagine 30 authors have joined this promotion, each putting their uh, novella into it. They all then share this link where somebody can go see 30 different books that can be downloaded for free. And the idea is to download any one of these books, they join that author's newsletter list. So, you know, you know if I've got 2,000 people on my list and the guy next to me has 5,000 people on their list and, and this woman has 10,000 people, that is we're all sharing the same group with all these different people and it's a great way to suddenly get a bunch of people to be aware of this free giveaway and join your newsletter. Well, you talked about that cross-promotion and so you said that that cross-promotion was key for you. Is that where you met the different authors? Was it on BookFunnel? Did you just start like emailing people that you saw on the site? Or how did you actually connect with them to do that cross promotion? They have it, it it's a feature they built into the platform. And so that helps you take away all of that behind the scenes work. They yeah. do it for you. It used to be there's an idea saying, well, I'm gonna go find nine other authors. So the 10 of us are gonna try to cross promote it. Well, if you think, First of all, it's like, well, I'm not going to give my email list to nine other authors. That's not, it's not safe and it's probably illegal in most. It is, countries. I'm sure. Like they signed up for us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and so what do I do? Do we all, you know, do we put some centralized list? It's, it's, it was not very practical. So people just didn't do it much, but book funnel has made it a snap. It made it very simple to do that. And so, um, I noticed I'd put uh, Sarah, we, we was, uh, was like two or three years ago for um, spring break, we went to Gatlinburg and she spent the weekend writing her novella. She, she writes very fast. Yeah. So she wrote like 60,000 words in three days. Oh, wow. She's my hero. <laughs> we have stuff in common. Like I wrote mine in seven days and people are like, no, you didn't. And I'm like, well, it was the first draft, but I, <laughs> yeah, I did it. <laughs> it still yeah. makes but I got the word count I needed. Now I can play and shave around and, and, you know, mock it up and do what I need. But so she writes fast. How do you write? Do you write slower? 
Uh, yes, everyone writes. Stephen King writes slower than her. Okay. Um, so now, but this is back in the day when she wrote it. I put it on her website. I found a WordPress plugin to integrate with your email list, so you, know, you get the pop up and it's joined the thing. And and then, like a year later, we got into Book Funnel. I put her book on Book Funnel and subscribed to like one cross promotion, and then went and forgot about it. And a month later, I checked in, and her email list had grown by 25% because of that. Wow. And so you went to WordPress, checked out the subscriber list, and it was like big? On the, well, we use, we use, uh, her list is on MailChimp. I, I went and logged into MailChimp, and her, her, volume, her number of subscribers had jumped like by hundreds. Or no, that, or that, maybe that was a week later. I checked it, and it had grown by 25%. I was like, whoa, this is way better than the – put it put the put the free novella on amazon trick this was because you're finding because it's a genre based so you're finding people in the genre much more uh, interested in that kind of stuff and so i started putting my stuff into into these cross promotions and it just suddenly you know went crazy and so you also talked about mailchimp and you mentioned mailchimp in your blog that you've got on your website and you said that you've now you are now trying something else. So talk to us about that. Oh yeah, I had um, I got set on fire when you mentioned earlier that book uh, newsletter ninja. It's by uh, Tammy. I can't remember what her last name was. Yeah, it's a yeah. I didn't but, even um, write last name down. I'm sorry, but I did write the title newsletter ninja down. I'll put it down yeah. in the links though. I'll put it down. That's right. Go get that book. Okay. Um, that's cross promotion. So that book, that, that, that one's a rock star newsletter building. Cause she talks about, you know, putting good content, when to send, you know, when to send what types of emails to people. I mean, it's really the Cadillac way of, of building and this whole thing of having a series of automated emails and, and you're trying to find people and, and route them in, this is all called a funnel. And so she's talking about all the, the tactics to apply. And the other thing is, is you need to look out for people that come and join your newsletter uh, to get the freebie, but then they never open another email. And so you need to have tactics to prune those people off the thing because after, at a certain point, you know, when you got enough subscribers, you're paying for that. Right. And so ever since I've learned about newsletter stuff, I've never hesitated to unsubscribe from a newsletter that I'm not interested in because I don't want that person to pay for me. And I noticed, you know, there were tactics like, you know, can you, can you detect somebody that hasn't opened an email for two months? If so, put a label on that person. And then I wanted to start writing workflows where if somebody gets a disengaged label, send them a re-engagement email campaign. And if they don't respond to that within a month, then unsubscribe them and, and put another label on them. And I just found that MailChimp, that was kind of beyond MailChimp's ability. So I started digging around and I actually switched to active campaign last fall where I started being able to create those kind of workflows that I wanted. And that's kind of, that's the shift that I made. I'd actually switched to Aweber um, briefly and found out that it, while it had label powers and stuff, it wasn't quite enough of what I needed. So I then hopped on over to Active Campaign, and it's really been great ever since. But I love what you're doing, and I try to encourage the listeners all the time. Not only do we research, you know, but we're connecting, we're contacting, like, or we're reading we're finding out, but then we're experimenting. And so like, you'll try something, hey, this one might not work what I need, or it has a certain shelf life, then you gotta go and try something new. But always going back to those analytics and then kind of looking at your data and saying, well, is it making a difference? And I love that, you know, we've gotta constantly push ourselves to do that. We gotta, so do you schedule time to have like, this is my newsletter devoted time, or do you just, you know, like, well, how have you done that? Because I've started looking like Saturday mornings. I'm really trying to say this is, you know, set up for newsletter time. How are you doing it? Um, I've got a monthly reminder on my calendar. So I, my corporate job, we use Google Calendar. So I go put basically everything in there so that it's not, it's not dependent on my infrastructure. It's dependent on somebody that's got a lot more money than me. So I put calendar reminders in there. So I try to do that to write a monthly newsletter. And, um, you know, the other thing is I look for is what works, what works for you? What works for the, you know, whoever's watching this? Uh, some people like to write it in a notebook or uh, my wife likes to get these um, printed out monthly books. There's, there's somebody that sells these kind of, it's like a planner, you know, modern day planner. So she'll print that out for the month. She'll get it spiral. You know, you can go 
go take it to the FedEx shop and they'll put a ring binder on it, whatever. And she'll track all of her stuff in there. And, um, and so I, you know, try to put all that down there so I can track. And, and something that I've done in the past when I, sometimes I'll have like three ideas at one time. Now in the past, I would say, you know, I used to do, I used to try to blog periodically, but I'm actually trying to switch over to, if I get an idea for a blog article to instead write that as a newsletter campaign to share with my readers. To be like, well, you're the people that have signed up. I think you deserve it the most to get this. And if I get like three ideas at once, let me start writing them down, but I'm going to schedule them. Like I'm going to sit down and sometimes I would sit down and sometimes I write three blog articles and then book them to be, this one comes out next week. This one comes out the week after that. And then this other one goes out three weeks from now, but you can do the same thing with the newsletter campaign. So if you can sit down and write a month worth of newsletters in one city, you can do that. Yeah. I think that I need to be more strategic at it because what I'll do is I'll write and then I'll automatically hit publish on my blog. You know, I'm automatically, I'll do it and I'll just share it all out there. I've got to be a little bit more strategic. And I think my, and I use the Google calendar system as well through my author um, Gmail account. Mm -hmm. it saves me like seriously I have to have that that's a part of my balancing yeah. and organizing technique because I am not so I want to know like when you're going to you're good all right so all right so my next thought is now that you're going to be going on into this future and you're going to be maybe self-publishing these secret ideas that sound so really cool um, how about with editing, with book covers, are you going to like outsource those things or are you planning on doing everything in-house? What is your goal? Well, I'm not, a, I'm not really a good editor. So I've, I've, there's a, there's a philosophy that we all know you get what you pay for and paying nothing to me to edit is a bad recipe. So, uh, we're not going to do that. So I actually, um, I've actually, because I've already gotten published books, Sarah's worked with several editors as well. That's part of the benefit of working with some of these small presses is you get to meet uh, various, you know, there's, there's, there's tons of editors and cover artists and stuff out there that all work freelance. So I've got some ideas of who I want to, to, to be an editor for that. Um, another thing is the, the, the cover art. I'm, I am not a graphic artist. <laughs> so I, you know, I know a couple of, um, cover artist there's this uh one of the other podcasts that i tune into is um are you do you, do you know dave chesson no i'm writing him down though uh dave chesson from kindlepreneur.com okay i didn't know his name but i've watched a couple of uh videos okay so he's done video you know he's done a bunch of videos he's the guy behind kdp rocket which now has been redubbed publisher rocket Mm -hmm. Go to go to and buy your copy of KDP Rocket. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I saw that with the affiliate. I don't know if I've made one nickel off that, but uh, I will. It, more than anything, that's a killer app. Um, but uh, I lost my train of thought you here. You were yeah. talking about KDP Rocket, and yeah, you were saying cover the cover art, and you were out going to outsource yeah. those kind of things. I was, I was listening to one of his podcast episodes and um, he's had this guy come on before. Like he's had people come on that have say they've published a book through some a particular press that went horrible and they managed to actually get the rights back and republish it and relaunch the book themselves. And the, the thing they always do, they always, always, always is go get a better graphic artist, go get a better cover designer and redo the cover. Mm -hmm. um, there's a woman that had published, I guess a series of, um, it, they're murder mysteries, but they're surrounded. They're, they involve horse racing. And so the, her initial publisher had used clip art and stuff. I mean, it's as if they designed it with Microsoft where it looked terrible and she managed to get the rights back and she had actually secured, there was a, a like a close up photo of like one of the Kentucky Derby winners with a, with a, with a, with a, a girl, whatever on the, on the horse, you know, racing it was a very top notch image. And she went, and bought rights to that picture to put on her covers and it took off. Yeah. That, that was not the only, that was not the only thing she did, but that was like one of the biggest things you can do is to reface the book. And so he, and in one of his episodes, he was actually talking about the a particular artist, the guy used, and I went and looked up who this graphic artist was. It's a uh, Jay Caleb or something. And um, I went and looked at the covers and they were amazing. 
and they, they cost a little bit more than the covers we used on other works, whatever. But the, the other thing this guy does, he has a Facebook page. He does pre-made, he does pre-mades every week that he sells. The pre-mades are like, I don't know, $150, but a custom job is $400, which $400 isn't outrageous. You can find people that are going to charge you $1,500 for a book cover. Right. And I follow a couple of people online to look at those pre-made book covers just to see what's out there. And they're ranging $150, $250. I'm in a couple of those closed groups on Facebook just so I can see if one happens to come along that's going to, you know, grab my attention. But it is. But the cover, it's it's key. I've read. I've seen a lot of research behind that. So I think you're right. I love your dark light cover, by the way, in that purple. And the purple matters. Like it's symbolic. Yeah, I told her that. I told the artist that. I said the purple mattered. I I really liked her work on it. There's there's certain aspects of the cover that um. I. I wonder, I, you know, I'm, I wonder if I, if I, if I took the, if I took the concept of dark light to this other artist, I'm curious what he would produce, you know? Yes. So, so but, uh, how about ISBN numbers and, and things like that? Are you going to go straight Kindle with your books or are you going to do the ISBN and try to get wider distribution and libraries and other bookstores or what are your, what's your game plan? Do you have a goal? Well, for fiction, I have seen I've seen a real good payoff in our in Sarah's indie publications with going with uh, Kindle Unlimited or the Kindle Select program. Um, another person I'm a big fan of, and this is where I get the where, where I get research data through, is um, uh, Brian Meeks, the author of Mastering AMS Ads. Um, okay. I had heard. I, I started reading some of your work about doing the ads, and I had. I said, "Okay, I'm going to bookmark and save this because I'm not ready yet." And that was like, "Ah, I've got to think about the price and this and that." And that's where you were getting some of your uh, knowledge base from. Yeah, this was another interview with Dave Chesson. They had Brian Meeks on. This is a guy that used to be a data analyst uh, for Geico Insurance, uh, Brian Meeks, but now he's a full-time author. So he he's like a spreadsheet wizard. He knows, he, he knows how to use Excel and he understands like how to analyze data and what, you know, what's significant, what's insignificant. Well, it's skill stacking. You take what you're good at and then you apply it to your author business and you can have a successful business, a career out of this if you know what you're doing. <laughs> he would show, here's how to create it. Here's how to create ads. Here's how to create an ad. Here's how to go get the metrics off off Amazon for ad performance and here's how to analyze them to tell whether or not it's selling your book. And then he's like, and his big thing is test, 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 test it out, write, write 200 different ads where you change one thing in each ad and then see what works. And then the stuff that doesn't work, shut it down. Right. And on my Amazon, you know, I've got this graphic I've done when I get on Facebook groups where it's like, you know, your Amazon ranking, when you publish it, it's just, when you, it goes downhill <laughs> if you're not marketing at all. <coughs> So one of Sarah's books went downhill. Then I started ad doing ads, you know, and I would say this was before ads and this was after ads. Yeah. And my son at 11 years old is like, mommy, you really need to do a better job at looking at your analytics. <laughs> I love him so much. He is like a powerhouse for me. And he was like, so what made that get to that bestseller? Go and look at your dates. Find out what you were doing. What were you doing around that time? And I was at a conference doing a lot of networking and talking about the book, just meeting people. And I was doing Facebook Lives that same week. And so we were like analyzing everything. And I done an ad. And he was like, see, mama, if you start really thinking of all these things, a combination of all that could have been it. Or maybe it's just you out networking and talking about your book because that's going to get you a bigger draw. We've done lots of different tactics. Like there's, you get on these virtual book tours where they, some company for $500 will go publish it on 30 different blog sites. We've done a couple of those. That didn't really yield anything. We've, there's some of these newsletters that you can sign. They're like mini book bubs. It's just another newsletter. And for five bucks, for 10 bucks, they'll put you into their next promotional email. That really didn't yield anything. The only thing I've seen that consisted, consistently yield anything was advertising. And advertise, we, all, we all tend to shirk away from advertising because it costs money. But what you're actually getting, what you're doing is you're actually paying for the data to tell you what's wrong with your book. 
Um, and, and you, like you say, try, try, try. Mm -hmm. um, I learned this paradigm that the whole point of the cover of a book, it's very important. The point of the cover is to get somebody to read the description of the book. It's to make somebody stop scrolling and Amazon and look at the description. And the point of the description of the book is to sell the book. So your cover doesn't directly sell the book. But if it does, cover doesn't work, no one's going to read your description. And so you need to get the right book cover and you need to get the right book description. And that's where one of Brian Meek's talents is writing copy. And he shows you, you know, he's done all this analysis on different stuff. And he says stuff like, if your opening sentence, your book description is more than six words, it's going to fail. <laughs> I needed this yesterday. I you, know what's good? you can change it. You can go change it too. This is what happens. I think the uh, this other cover artist that he had on his uh, podcast all the time was Derek Murphy. Who's, who's, I think he also, I think he has a PhD in literature and, um, and he, he's the one that told me about it. Yeah. The point of the cover is to, to see that, but he was like, somebody's scrolling through Amazon and basically if they're going to stop and look, you have like eight seconds. If you don't hook them in eight seconds, they're moving on. And so you, they, you need to hook them on the first sentence. And so six words is something we can all, we can see the sentence and we can digest it. And if it's too long, you're not, you're going to skim. You're right. So now see what I've got to do. You see, you see the look on my face. I'm like, uh oh, so it's horror. Brian, Brian Meeks released a, a, a second book and it's how to write, it's how to write uh, those book blurbs, those book descriptions. But what I tell people is like, so you go buy the Amazon ad book from him. That's nine 99. Go buy his book blurb thing. That's nine ninety nine, and there's one other book that I bought for nine ninety. So for thirty dollars, you can go learn some of to me what seems like some of the most critical information to go sell your book. Right, but you got to do a lot of research and a lot of reading just about your own promotion and marketing. And this is what I tell people because you know I'm going to be traditionally published I have done my own bible devotionals and placed those up on you on um, Amazon so I've done both and I'm now going to be publishing a new book in September regardless whether you have a publishing company or not you're going to do your own you know promotions anyway they're only going to have a limited budget even those big top five they give you a budget but it's limited I've talked to authors who are at you know some of the top five and they're like no nah, we're still doing a lot of the work ourselves we're pushing a lot, a lot. Unless you're Stephen King, it, yeah. it's you're doing it, and there's no, there is no budget for you. Um, you know, the Stephen King doesn't. The, the irony is Stephen King doesn't need advertising because he releases a book, he'll sell a million copies, but that's where they're spending the budget on anyway. Right. I've so, got to tell you. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was going to tell you, my son the other day, we were talking about social media platforms. And, you know, I'm building everything up, but I am not doing as well on Instagram as I would like. And that's where a lot of the YA audience lives. And so I'm like learning all of this stuff about how to do better on Instagram. And he was like, Mama, Stephen King didn't have Instagram. Stephen King didn't have Twitter. Stephen King had word of mouth. He had a good book. He said, write a good book, get a good book and it will sell itself. And I'm like, but son, I feel so much pressure. And this is my 16 year old who's not into social media at all. Like he doesn't really care about any of all of the, you know, all of that going on. So he's like old school. He's like, think about Stephen King's time when he was putting out Carrie, he wasn't going out there going, Oh, my cover reveal. <laughs> Look at Carrie and all of these. He wasn't doing Facebook lives, mama. And I'm like, but times have changed. I've got all this opportunity to reach people. I still want to develop and learn it. He was like, be like Stephen King, Mama. Write a good book. I'm like, yeah, exactly. I hope to. <laughs> but well, you're building a plat. You're building your platform here. You know the the fact you you you're you're bringing authors onto your show and sharing that with you, and that gets people in there. And every now and then you're able. To, by the way, I I just released a book, so you know it wouldn't hurt if you went and grabbed a copy. So exactly. And with everybody on the journey with me, like you said, it's really good to share. You said that earlier. If we're transparent and we're sharing. You know, and then we're encouraging other people to go after what they've also maybe have self-censored, like they've hidden away their work from high school or they forgot about it. And now they're finally saying, well, like, you know, I'm 43, I'm starting this all over again. And it's like, 
we need models. We're learning as we go. And the more we talk to people, I mean, I took, so I had tons of notes to start with. Now I've got tons more because every time you say a little nugget, I'm over here writing down, but that's how we grow. Yeah. You know, the felt all of our fellow authors, it's important to remember they're our allies, not our enemies. Yeah. You, know, you or I have a new book every month to go share with our newsletter list. No, we don't. We maybe once every 12 months, the other 11 months we can share, Hey, I just read this great book from somebody, or I just, you know, discovered this new tactic, whatever. Let me go share that with other people. And people, people react to sincerity, you know? Yep. Yep. Um, so, something else something else I'm pursuing right now in that was the um, there's these other things like you can create like a box set for instance which that's fancy lingo for I'm gonna go put four books into one ebook and put that on Amazon so, so you're considering that you're saying for the future or you're doing that with uh, Sarah no I'm talking about uh, I, in my tech publishing career um, what I'm looking into is basically Go find a handful of other authors and, and see if y'all could put something together, whatever that is. So I'm at the stage now that I'm actually going and recruiting fellow people in my industry that I know to be like, hey, do you have a newsletter? Do you have a newsletter? If you got started on a newsletter, I got a newsletter. We can refer to each other on newsletters in the future. Yeah, they, like, you called it techno geek. So on yours, you have, if you want to sign up, like for my fiction work, here it is. If you want to sign up for my computer world, here it is. You have it separated really nicely. So that way you know who your target audience is. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I do. And that's, that's where I use, um, you know, I have a, a mail providers. A lot of them will have, you know, some kind of, you know, you can have labels and stuff. So I have just one big list, but I have lots of different labels. So I can keep track of everybody and, how do they sign up so I can know, so I can say, I want to send this letter, this letter, but this is going to go to the people that signed up for the techno geek stuff. This is going to go to the people that joined my fiction list and said that they want to be part of, you know, they want to know about arc releases. They want to be the, my tribe. Yep. I saw where you've got your street team. Very smart. And so you've opened up your street team right there for anybody on your website to join. It's not like a closed little group like some people do. Yeah. And it's, you know, the idea is like, if I can reach 10,000 people, you know, maybe a thousand will join the newsletter. Maybe a hundred of them could join the street team. And then when it's time to do a new release, Hey, I got, and the, the other thing is it's not just, I'm just not going to be like, Oh, I haven't talked to you for two years. By the way, I got a new book, go and take it to the streets. It's, you know, if I have a new cover, like I've got a new drafted cover or a new idea in the works, you share it with those people first. That's your inner circle. You give them the, all the inside baseball. Right. So you've given me some great ideas because my concern was when I started the newsletter, how do I know if they're there for my Bible devotionals or how do I know if they're there for my author information? So I'm going to keep researching and investigating that because I'm kind of like a hodgepodge, you know, like you, I've got my nonfiction and my fiction world and I, and I don't want to mess up. Like I do not want to then only, you know, the fiction side and the updates about my book, but I'm missing the people that have already read my devotionals and are there for the challenges. You see, mm -hmm. when I saw yours, I said, ah, oh, that's so smart. And, and that's why we need models. So you're like a model to all of us out there that are working this life. When we see other authors, we can always learn so much. And so I want to thank you for the work that you've put in because then you're helping me too. Okay. Yeah. Okay, sure. Um, you know, that's, I, like I was saying, we're all allies, you know, we're not enemies and, you know, to me, that's even more so in the Christian writing community because I feel like we're, it's almost like we're a smaller subset. We need to pull together. And, you know, my, my favorite verse that, that has been with me for a long time is um, Romans eight twenty eight. 28. Uh, All things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Um, there's so much in that. I mean, there's, you can go spend hours studying that one verse, but I mean, it's just really valuable to know that there, there is a, there is a positive path. There's a, there's a purpose to all this stuff. I can't always see it. You can't see it. God can see it. So I need to trust in him. And that's, that is, that's the, the, the ticket. That's what we're here for. 
So, Greg, I just want to thank you so much. Now, I want to ask, and I'm putting you on the spot, I want you to ask Sarah, would she be willing in the future to come on over to the Jen Lowry Writes podcast and do an interview with her work? I bet she would love to do that. She's a very, she's a very outgoing person. She likes, you know, she's very good at public relations stuff, way better than I am at that. Because, I mean, she used, she used to work at Disney, so... Oh, we gotta have her. We just have to have her. I would love, love to meet her and talk to her about her quick, fast writing process. And just for, you know, to let her share out her tips from the traditional and the indie publishing world, because we have such a mixture of listeners on, you know, the podcast that listen to us that are from both sides. So I would just love, love to have her. So if you could ask her, I'm going to email later. I'm going to say forward this one on to Sarah. So we can, <laughs> so we can try to schedule Sarah too. But um, I just truly appreciate everything that you're doing. And I, I love your book. I'm ready for the sequel. And I'm ready for your new book. When do you, do you have a date in mind? Have you set yourself a goal? Um, I don't have a date because actually the, the murder mystery book is behind my tech book that I'm currently working on. And so I've got a tech book that I'm trying to get out and that may take me a few more months to wrap that one up. So, uh, I can put you to sleep and start to talk about that book. <laughs> it wouldn't put me to sleep because I was learning. It just would kind of probably rest up way over my head for a little bit and maybe never come down. But um, so I do want to tell you that I just really love the book. I'm telling everybody right now, you got to go and get your copy of Dark Light. You're not going to regret it. I promise you. And you've got it on audio. So for my people out there that love audio books, they can get your book on audio too. Oh, the, the, the person that recorded on audio is fantastic. I was impressed at how she could do every character's voice. It was, it was awesome. So maybe I'll have to like for Sam, maybe I'll say, Hey Sam, try the audio book on his own. And maybe I'll, I'll throw it over with my 11, my 11 year old's way. But <laughs> how can people find you? Let them know. Cause they need to join your newsletter. Cause you do send out very valuable information as a model too, but um, talk to everybody about where to find you. Well, go to gregltrnquist.com slash list and sign up. That's the place to go. So it's a very easy link, uh, Greg L. Turnquist, T-U-R-N-Q-U-I-S-T.com slash list. And then you'll find out about how to find me on Twitter and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, because I originally tagged a Greg Turnquist on Twitter, and it was not you. And he had like four followers. And it was like just somebody with your name. I said, oh, wait a minute. This is not the right Greg. And so when I put your cover up last week that said this is what I was currently reading, and I went ahead and had to delete that Twitter, and then I found you. And I was <laughs> the right person. Yeah. So make sure you're going yeah. to the right <laughs> Twitter account. I found out there is another Greg Turnquist that develops software. So I, that's why I had to put Greg L. Turnquist on everything. To yeah. Just, yeah. Hey, that worked. Well, thanks again. Thanks so much, Greg. Thanks a bunch. I had fun being here. All right. So guys, you know, I'm going to close out with saying thanks for joining us on the Jen Lowry Writes podcast. And we hope that you go out and write something inspiring today and share it with the world. All right. Bye. Bye. Your family's awesome. So thank you again, Greg. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for supporting my Jen Lowry Writes podcast. My purpose is to inspire and encourage others to chase after their writing goals with faith and courage. By hitting the support this podcast button and with your monthly contribution of 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99, you are helping me chase after mine. If you're looking for my challenge devotionals on Amazon, go right on over and type in Dr. Jennifer Eichner Lowry and you'll see my 30-day everyday mom challenge, my 30-day teacher challenge, fingerprint curriculum for my homeschool families, and one that's closest to my heart is the Happy Renewal Year challenge devotional. I dare you to go and check them out today. You can also find that they're on Kindle Unlimited 
because I want you guys to have access. I often put them up for free uh, promotional items. I'll do countdowns. Um, so that way, you can grab one. You can gift them with a friend. You can share them out on your sites. And people can go on this journey with us. In December of 2019, look out for the release of my author challenge devotional. I'm looking forward to that one and sharing it with you.